Well, isn't this passage just a bucket full of goodness? A real happy splash, isn't it? No one's able to find fault with any of these commands, I I hope. Um, I think that's what makes preaching this passage so difficult, though. It's just too easy to sit here placidly agreeing with everything that we hear. Hmm, hear, hear. But it goes in one ear and right out the other. And that's, that's not what we want. We want what this passage is promising. We want, we want what the Apostle Paul is promising us because that's what God is promising us. And here, he's giving us his clear declaration of intent. And this is being prophesied from a prison. Even though Paul's setting is grim, he's still enthused. His joy is coming through in this. So whatever your current circumstances, God's promise is not thwarted. Paul is still rejoicing in God's plan, even though he's bound and shackled. And you may have shown up this afternoon feeling as though you've been imprisoned, just distanced from everything good and enjoyable. And that's okay. That's okay. This season's probably been pretty different. It's probably been pretty difficult. But if we pull back the curtain, as this passage is doing, we can see what else has been going on. So let's remember here. Let's look into this and see the greater reality. And we can catch a glimpse of what's actually happening. So, God's plan. I even made um, hand gestures for this. God's plan. Peace. Love. Happiness. Wrapped in thanksgiving. So those are today's three. And it's pretty good, eh? Is it, is it too good to be true? Does it sound naive? Is it incongruent with your experience? Well, that's, that's okay, too. You don't need to worry one bit if that's not how you feel. Because this is not your plan, but God's plan. It's the culture that he's creating. This is the kind of people he's turning us into. A people that are abounding in peace, in love, and happiness. Wrapped in that thanksgiving. So let's break it down. Verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, and all this other good stuff. But right now, I want to focus on chosen. God's chosen ones. This is where the power comes from. It's God that's gone before us. We're not alone in this. I'm not here trying to drum up your gumption. This isn't our own gas that we're guzzling. This is God's plan. So let's back it up for a second, if we can go to verse 9. And it'll be really helpful if you have Colossians. Oh, we don't have Bibles here anymore. You know what? Don't worry about it if you don't have it. If you do, that's terrific. But I'll read you from verse 9. Because this passage is so perfectly wound. I'd like to untie it a little bit so we can see the components and then tie it back together again and walk away confident in the knowledge of God's mastery, his intent and his activity. So verse 9, Colossians 3. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is neither Greek nor Jew, Canadian, Chinese, Brazilian, but Christ is all in all. 
So Paul, he's speaking to the church. The church is in Christ. That's what makes it the church. And in Christ, those old distinctions, they're gone. They're still there, but it's superficial. And so don't get me wrong, cultures are still, they're, they're well loved by God. There's definitely room for diversity in the church. But what counts above all things is Christ. So that's the unity. Christ is all and in all. That supersedes everything. So before we can celebrate our differences, and before we even think of complaining, let us remember this. Christ is all and in all. Democrat, Republican, NDP, liberal, conservative, whatever. Our our disagreements within the church, among us, they are held in the context of Christian unity. We are one in Christ, and he is all. And the consequence of this unity, this being united in and with Christ, is that we have put off the old self, and we have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the image of its creator. So do you, do you see this? It's, it's a little weird. It's kind of like the kingdom of heaven when they say that it's now and not yet. We have, past tense, we have put off the old self, and we have put on the new self. They're both past tense, but this new self is being made new. It's being renewed. So it's a, it's a process. And maybe that feels a little anticlimactic, right? At our conversion, we don't just sprout wings and glow up a halo and never have a stray thought again. There's a cocoon stage. You've put off the old self, and you've put on the new, these beautiful silk-spun robes. But inside that cocoon, we're still just a bunch of goo. So I don't know that caterpillars are aware of the butterflies that they'll become. I'm sure it's a pretty confusing ordeal, probably a little painful. But we've got the blueprints right here in this book. This is God's master plan. And he's laying it out for us clearly. These are the steps he's taking, and these are the steps that we'll be taking with him. This is what the new life is going to look like, and increasingly so with every passing season. So get on board. Come along for this ride. Here's your cocoon. Put it on. Because you have been chosen by God for this new life, for this new culture, for his heavenly kingdom. He's going to make you a right, righteous citizen. And you'll be getting good glimpses of what that looks like here and now. You are holy and beloved, loved by God, and he has set you apart as his. And for his purposes... So this is the uniform, the new robes. They're spotless, homespun, organic, woven with the finest strands of compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. And these compassion, right? It's not just warm, mushy feelings. The old definition of passion is suffering. It's a real sympathy to bear the burdens of others. And if we look at verse 13, bearing with one another. I told you it was, it was intertwined. This is the new economy. All that old self's selfishness, that's sloughed off. It's being shed as you're being renewed. So if you've got complaints, you forgive each other. 
it sounds impossible, right? Or improbable, at least. It's just, someone's just there just asking for it. My younger brother, no. No, we forgive each other. Not very good at it, but that's okay because the Lord has forgiven you. You've failed, and dadgummit, there are failings in the future. It's all right to grieve this, but the Lord has, past tense, he has forgiven you, and you are fully forgiven. And living in his forgiveness with that slate wiped clean, we learn to forgive as we've been forgiven. And not only have we been given that supreme example of forgiveness with all of our sins nailed to the cross, but it's his spirit, it's his spirit indwelling us and teaching us how and enabling us to forgive one another. But all of this stuff, it gets its juice from the next two verses. None of that last stuff works, the bearing with one another, none of that works without Christ's love and his peace. So verse 14, above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. Hippies are a ripoff. That's that's what I'm going to say today. Hippies are a ripoff. Jesus, he's the original one that's all about that peace and the love I don't know, if, have you guys seen this? This is the new sign. It's not just a heart like this. You put your thumb and your forefinger together and it makes a little tiny heart. Just give your hearts to your friends, your family. But Jesus, he, he pulled it off. He actually lived out that life of peace and love. He's the real countercultural revolutionary. That old system, it's fallen. Its rulers been locked up and the old ways are being dismantled. It's a process, though. It's a process. And he's, he's doing this process through his church. We're grassroots. That means it's from the bottom up. But it's, it's way deep down. This isn't our solution, right? We're not the ones that are funding this. This is God's plan. Indeed, you were called in one body. You were called and chosen, inscripted was the word I wrote, and a red line appeared under it. It's not a real word. I guess I was thinking of enlisted, recruited, called and chosen for a purpose. And God's going to finish that good work that he began. So he called you to be one body with Christ, who is all and in all as the head. So we, we are a unit. The church Catholic is the word, means universal, capital C, the body of Christ, we are one. For Christ is all and in all. And where he's going, we're going. That's why we can be thankful. Imagine God was capricious, given to sudden and unaccountable changes in mood or behavior. Yeah, that'd be the worst. But if you think about it, right, he's not obligated to be kind or loving or forgiving, or even good. Zeus isn't good. Zeus is criminal. He tricks. He defiles. He leaves a whole mess. God is different, entirely different. He stands by his word. He fulfills. He shows himself as loving. He saves. That's what the name Jesus means. Yahweh saves. 
He doesn't only forgive sins. He gives us new clothes. He invites us into his kingdom. He adopts us as his children, fellow heirs with Christ. But that's, that's not today's passage. Even in just today's passage, though, we see how gracious he is. So look, look at all these gifts from him. Here, put on this new self. And here, bloom and produce these ripe and bountiful fruits of the Spirit. So I'm going to go into the Greek here and point out something pretty neat. The word gifts in Greek is charisma. That's why we call some Christians charismatic. It's because they like to emphasize the spiritual gifts. It's usually in reference to tongues and prophecy. But all Christians of every denomination are truly charismatic. Because we've been given all the gifts. We each have life and breath. We get to experience the nourishing rains, happy splashes of sunshine, and the trees for shade and delight. And your abilities, your wonderful intelligence, inventiveness, creativity, there's language, culture, families, and there's peace. There's kindness. We've been given the ability to forgive even as we've been forgiven. But above all, there's Jesus. He is the greatest gift. And in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And he is yours, that God should give his only son charisma. What a gift. But now if we look at the root word of charisma, we find charis. Charisma charis. Charis means grace. We get charity. It's loving, it's gracious, and our God indeed is gracious. That's how he revealed himself to Moses. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. What a God. What grace we've received. And in our receiving, we give thanks. So verse 15 be thankful. So if you check this, check, check this out. The Greek word for thanksgiving is eucharisteo, goodness gracious. Do you see how they're connected? Eucharisteo. It's the receiving of that gift, of that grace. Thank Because of his grace, we get to display gratitude. These gifts, they multiply. His grace gives the gifts And we give back thanks. It's ever-flowing. There's this closed circuit of grace and gifts and gratitude. Mm. And isn't it interesting that communion, we also call it the Eucharist. It's the meeting place. In the bread and wine, we receive Christ. We commune with him. And we also commune with each other, with everybody that shares the cup. And it's his love that we put on. It's his love that binds us together in perfect harmony, not just our own flimsy feelings. Yeah, when I said perfect harmony, the organ player should have hit that note, strike a chord. Harmony, though, it's where the many are united in one. And the result of this love, this unity, it's peace. It's peace with God and with each other. And this isn't just some flimsy peace you feel when the breeze is just right at the beach, as nice as that is. 
Verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word for rule here is brabeuo, and it's the only place that it occurs in the New Testament. But the Greeks, they used it to speak of those who were responsible for maintaining order in their games. They're the referees, the brabeuo, the umpires. This is the peace that rules in our hearts. It governs. Any complaints, we forgive. We bear with one another because it's the peace of Christ that is directing us towards this path of peace, of harmony, of love. Yet we practice humility. We're patient because we're all in this together, all forgiven, all loved, all chosen and called to this one body and gifted in specific ways for the edification of all. God is a God who blesses, abundant in grace. And that command to be faith, to be thankful, of course we're thankful. I mean, do you feel it welling up inside you to have received so much? And for this new self to be continually renewed. We're not running on our own steam. There may be down days, even down seasons, but we're being renewed. Yeah, be thankful we lift high his name. How he overflows in our very own hearts. It's not our own doing. It's the wellspring of life. And the more we return to that fountain, to the fountain, the better our thirst is quenched. How our sight is filled with him and our minds. That's why the word of Christ dwells richly among us. Like in verse 16, we want to know his word because it's how we come to know him better. It's not just some lifeless Letters from long ago. There's a person behind it who's living and breathing still and praying for us, interceding for us. We read this word and we speak and we hear it from each other as well. Verse 16, with that word of Christ dwelling richly in us, there's teaching and admonishing in all wisdom. Wisdom is another result of that new self, the being made new self. Wisdom, it rises in relationships of meekness and humility, love and servanthood, rather than jealousy and selfishness. There's no wisdom in that. Wisdom is not a solitary attainment. We don't embark upon this journey alone. It is a corporate or a relational attainment. That's how God likes to work, is in the body Altogether, wisdom is given and found and forged in the fires of committed relationships. And in that wise congregation, you will find rejoicing. You can't hide the praise that will be taking place. Singing those psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, how joyful. Isn't that a picture of joy and gladness? Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs? Eucharisteo. We do give thanks in our worship. It's the fruit. It's the fruit. Its fruit is our praise. So you know how charisma is a gift and charis is grace. Is grace. Well, kara is the uttermost root of those words. And kara means joy and gladness. To this you've been called. To be a body, a gifted community that lives in peace and love, and joy, and thanksgiving. So, beloved brothers and sisters of St. John's, this is what God has chosen you for. This is what you've been set apart for. 
so that whatever you do, in word or deed, filling out your taxes, making pancakes, right? Kids at soccer practice, putting on the bandages, crying with a friend, driving to work, clipping your toenails, starting a book club, raking the leaves, just smiling at your neighbors in every mundane thing that occurs in your day. Do everything in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This doesn't mean, of course, you know, you have to say, thank you, God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, every time you turn on your car. But it does mean you will become more and more conscious of all the manifold ways in which God is blessing this world. And in that realization, our response, it's gratitude. It's gratitude. It's a thanksgiving that's been hard fought and won at the cross by our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 17 here. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ giving thanks to God the Father through him. What a verse. Teach it to your kids. Memorize it with them. I didn't know that was going to be in the service, but perfect. Write it on your mirrors so you can brush your teeth and let it govern your days. This verse shows us that there are no ordinary moments. Nothing is truly mundane. The glory of God is bursting at the seams. And through thanksgiving... We recognize everything as a gift from him and give our own hearts back to him through song, through praise. Christ is all and in all. And God has chosen you and called you to become a vibrant, life-giving community of peace and of love and of happiness, giving thanks through Christ. So put on that love. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful rejoicing in the glory of it, because this is glorious. So you see how it's, it's all tied together in a big, beautiful bow, and that's the scarlet thread, Christ crucified and made alive. The gift of God's own life, what grace. We give thanks, we praise, rejoicing in adoration. Amen.